0: And welcome to Tapeheads. I'm Sean, and I'm Lindsay. Tapeheads is the podcast where we select a VHS tape from either my collection or Lindsay's collection. We watch it, and then we have a little chat about it. We're technically still doing a Halloween episode here in November.
1: It's a little late, but we, we're just stretching out the season. We're
0: stretching out the season a little bit. It's still Halloween in our house, in our studio. Lindsay and I had a pretty busy month of travel and various uh, Halloween festivities, but um, we haven't forgotten the podcast, and we, we watched The Craft, and we have a lot of things to talk about here today.
1: Sean, why did you pick The Craft?
0: Um, I guess I picked it because we did Practical Magic last time, and that got me sort of thinking about 90s witch movies, of which there's a handful uh, many of which have been covered on this show. you know, your hocus pocuses, your double double toil and troubles is. The witches, I think, is right on the cusp of late 80s, early 90s. And the craft was one that was very important to me uh, at a certain time of my life
1: when you were obsessed with Nev Campbell.
0: Right around the time of like, I guess it was late elementary school, Kind of past the point when Nev Campbell was really popular. Like, I feel like she kind of peaked in the late 90s. Well, maybe that is kind of right around that time then. Because she had Party of Five, which I did not watch. Mm -hmm. And she had Scream and its sequels. This film, which, 96, I think, was her real breakout year because this came out and then Scream came out. Mm -hmm. And even though she's like the third build character very tellingly it's her character bonnie that's on the spine of this tape yeah on both sides it's not like fair use of is on the other side it's a double nev campbell uh vhs tape it was probably just a combination of uh the scream movies and this that i got really into her and and had uh, sort of a schoolboy crush i would seek out like all her obscure like Canadian movies and stuff.
1: Did you have her poster on your wall?
0: Oh man it was a I didn't have a poster but um I would like find like pictures of her and like print them out and like tape them on the wall.
1: Oh yeah so kind of a little bit on the edge of stalker serial killer
0: style. <laughs> Not stalker serial killer. It's kind of the same thing of having like a Tiger Beat magazine.
1: Yeah, these good were that you had to make these yourself. I
0: had to make these yeah. myself, and uh, they were up for an embarrassingly long uh, period of time. Like they're being put up in like the fifth grade, and they weren't taken down until like the following yeah. year.
1: That's okay. In the first grade, year round, I had I had a picture of a Persian cat up in a Christmas tree in my room, so.
0: I was bad with a lot of that sort of stuff, like just having stuff on the walls uh, probably longer than I should have, being very reluctant to grow out of things. It was also just kind of behavior that you would expect more from maybe a girl at that age.
1: I don't know, because I didn't have, reflecting back, I didn't really have pictures of pop stars or actors or actresses on my wall, but I did have friends who had their obsessive like, you know nick carter from backstreet boys posters all over the walls and stuff
0: yeah i remember a friend of my sister's very specifically like cutting out pictures of Hanson and yeah. jtt and putting them all over the wall
1: my brother totally would have had a picture of one of the famous jillian anderson from x-files posters up on his wall but i think he just never thought about it yeah
0: I mean, I think that there just weren't pictures in magazines of Nev Campbell. Like, she wasn't really considered a sex symbol, necessarily.
1: Yeah, and she might not have been featured in, you know, Tiger Beat, and the different ones where you usually got your Backstreet Boys or NSYNC Sync Yeah. Picks.
0: And all of these pictures are very chaste. She's a very chaste and uh, kind of conservatively dressed celebrity, which I think made the the fixation all the more weird.
1: Although very sweet.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I think that the reason I saw this movie was because of Nev Campbell, but that wasn't the only reason that I initially got into it. I mean, it's... You know i already was into horror and certainly into movies like hocus pocus and this is just like a more grown-up version of that Mm -hmm. and i always liked the chemistry between these four actresses um it's uh robin tunney is the main character she is uh you know this kind of emerging witch who in the opening moves from san francisco to la and she meets this uh they never use the word coven, but oh, well, actually I maybe it, they do.
1: Is it a coven when it's just 3 of them? It becomes four. But.
0: Yeah, I mean, I get they never really call themselves anything, but it's a trio of also kind of emerging witches like very minimal power. It's Feruza Balk as kind of the leader, Nancy, kind of the freaky one. Sorry if I'm botching that name. I don't I don't know if it's Feruza or Feruza Let's see, Rachel True plays Rochelle, the, the diver. And then um, my beloved Nev Campbell <laughs> as uh, Bonnie, who's the witch who has all these burns on her body.
1: It's interesting, that trio is interesting because Bulk, or we'll call her by a character named Nancy, Nancy kind of is she's really the leader and she's really the one that's taking charge and is really interested in magic and all of the power and the trappings that go with it whereas the other two girls bonnie and rochelle seem just to be in it for themselves and kind of what they can gain in their lives from it but not necessarily the power
0: yeah i mean they kind of come together because they each have their own kind of devil on their back or a monkey on their back yeah uh their own demons i guess is what i'm trying to say like um with bonnie Nev campbell it's obviously like these scars she's very self-conscious about them and wears like really baggy clothes um rochelle is viciously uh bullied by christine taylor Yeah,
1: it's really disturbing bullying. Like, we're talking the N-word and extremely racist, talking, insulting her hair, which she has natural hair.
0: Yeah, and it's like, this would not fly. I mean, I don't don't even know if it would have been okay in the mid-90s, but, like, for this popular blonde, like, star of the diving team to, like, be using these kind of racial slurs against...
1: Her black teammate.
0: Yeah. I could see her being bullied that way, but not necessarily by this person and so openly.
1: Yeah, you'd think it would be more subtle, but this girl just owns it and no one seems to do anything about it or really give a shit. And it's interesting because Rochelle ends up getting to punish the heck out of this racist girl. And as a viewer, I was just like, this is great. Good to see her suffer. But Rochelle actually felt some guilt, and I think that's supposed to kind of cue us into Rochelle not being evil in the way that Nancy kind of turns evil, the leader turns evil. But it's it's also just kind of like, why is she feeling sympathetic for this woman who is so racist toward her?
0: I think it's really just that Bonnie and Rochelle are not as like, sadistic as Nancy is. Like, they they sort of become that way because they're under her influence, but they do, like, have empathy for people. Yeah, and they
1: don't take joy in it. And I guess it's one of those things where it's kind of like when... uh, When you go low, we go high, and and Rochelle is going high by feeling pity for this person who's tortured her for years.
0: What's funny is the main character, Sarah, what she really wants is basically... She on her very first day of school meets this guy Chris, played by Skeet Ulrich, uh, best known as from Scream as uh, Nev Campbell's boyfriend Billy. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a really like this is a real banner year for both Skeet and Nev. Skeet Ulrich is a real like uh, scumbag. <laughs> He's just like He's the a worst
1: creep. Just watching him interacting with uh, interacting with Sarah is just completely gross.
0: They go on one date, and then he tells the entire school that they slept together. I think it's even worse than that. He like tells the whole school that she was bad. Yeah, eating. and it's
1: just kind of like, what do you get out of this? Like, It's weird, because it's kind of like you'd think he'd be sexually manipulative, right? Like Physically, he wants to get involved with her and manipulate her and then throw her away, but he doesn't even go through all that trouble. He just goes on one innocent date with her, they kiss a little bit, and then he tells all these fibs at school to make her feel bad and look bad, and it's just so... He calls her pathetic, but he's so pathetic that this is how he is able to make him feel good about himself. There are a lot of really crappy people in this movie.
0: Even though uh, Rochelle feels really bad about what she does to her bully... Uh, it doesn't seem like Sarah really has the same remorse necessarily. I mean, she does it I mean after he's killed, but Yeah. I mean, she mostly just thinks of this as being really annoying when in reality she's kind of turned him into like a love slave
1: and attempts to rape her, which is terrifying. It's it's, it's an obsession, and it's a compulsion.
0: As for like what Nancy is trying to get out of all this for use of Balk's character, it's kind of just she feels powerless i think like she she's sort of for the lack of a better word like trailer trash and Mm -hmm. she has an abusive stepdad she kind of just wants to be empowered but it's kind of like nancy gets a taste of that power and just wants more and more and more and it totally corrupts her
1: yeah i mean she's consumed by it it's interesting because you find out how young and naive these women are too because they don't think through the consequences of all these things. To think that magic is a sort of expenditure, but not thinking about what's being spent, so what's coming back on them, right? Because they're they're warned by that woman in the store.
0: The, the Wiccan supply store that they go to in a few scenes.
1: And they completely dismiss her and they dismiss anyone that tells them anything that isn't convenient to what they want, right? Whereas Sarah kind of does a... She does a little bit of second-guessing.
0: It's definitely implied that Sarah is far and away the most powerful one. I mean, because her mother was a witch, we Mm -hmm. find out, and she's been able to do, like, much more powerful stuff on her own. Like, we see her, like, manipulating a pencil, and she tells these stories of, like, how she, you know wanted peace and quiet and then she just went deaf for several days. Yeah. But um, when the four of them come together, it seems like that's when this whole like power shift happens and then it's suddenly Nancy that's kind of run amok.
1: And it's interesting because Nancy in the beginning is resistant to taking on a fourth person in the group, but the others know that they need a fourth person because you need four people to essentially represent the corners of a, uh, the points of a compass. And so you're kind of given a hint at the beginning that Nancy is really going to be the one that
0: turns. Yeah. It's almost like Perius of Bulk is in a different movie because she's like so big with her character. Like she sort of just makes that choice and is just Mm -hmm. very crazy all the time. But in a weird way, it really works for me. Uh-huh. whereas I, I i mean i was making this comment to you when we were watching it is i forgot just kind of how flat sarah is for so much of it
1: yeah and i one of the things i kind of wondered was whether or not she was directed to be that way to be in high contrast to nancy right
0: i mean it's almost like at times she seems bored with some of the witchcraft like when they're doing the four corners or invoking the spirit, they're doing. They're kind of doing their different uh slogans. And when S- it's Sarah's turn to go, it's kind of like, I'm calling out to the keepers of the watchtowers of the. W-. Like, it's a very like, <laughs> it's a very like. So everyone sleepy. else is yeah. It's very sleepy. It's not quite Bella Swan, uh, Kristen Stewart level, but it was an interesting choice. Like like you said, like the contrast between. If Fair Use of Bulk is at, like, an 11 for the entire movie, like, Robin Tunney seems to be consistently, like, 5 or 6, just with her, like... Mm-hmm. And I guess that it ramps up towards the end when they're, it sort of yeah. turns into a home invasion-type movie.
1: And she she does do a really interesting performance, and for those kind of high-emotion, high-stress moments, she's she is conveying and emoting something. Like, she's really... she isn't She is actively involved in the scene that's going on for those... For those moments right so i think she, i think she did a good job i just kind of wonder if maybe she was told to pull back a little
0: and something that i just learned um robin tunney was in a movie called empire records uh i think that has like uh live tyler and a couple other people in it but she'd shaved her head for that role so this entire movie she's wearing a wig
1: oh interesting i didn't even notice which
0: is so funny because in that scene where she changes her hair color through magic you're com- like we were talking about how weird the like mid-90s cgi looks for that scene and how maybe she could have done a wig instead and, yeah but it really is a wig which is really interesting so they,
1: co- they put computer color over an actual wig interesting
0: it's also interesting just timing wise i mean this is 96 which is the same year as scream but it's also coming on the heels of clueless and what's funny is like even on the cover of the vhs it says it's carrie meets clueless which i don't think is a great uh, description of this movie it's
1: really not i mean it's
0: really just i mean i don't think it has a lot in common with clueless except for the fact that it's like kind of valley girls in la like at an la high school and i guess is Brecken Meyer also in Clueless as like the skater? So there's that kind of that connection too. Like he's Breckenmeyer in Clueless is delightful, but in this he's like one of ski Ulrich's like toadies, like just like another bully and like a school full of them. But um I think that it almost feels at times like they were really trying to capitalize on Clueless, which had been a big hit. Like, especially, I don't know, just this, like, setting at this L.A. high school, um, although they wear uniforms at this school. Well, and they, sort of
1: <laughs> they wear uniforms for a little while until they become too witchy to actually wear their uniforms, and no one seems to complain yeah. or voice any, you know, because Ca- this is a Catholic high school. I mean, this isn't some, you know, random public school that has a loose dress code.
0: I do like this movie a lot. Um, perhaps not as strongly as I uh, felt when I was in the throes of my eleven-year-old uh, Nev Campbell fixation. But one major qualm I had at this movie, both then and now, is that it's kind of a movie of two halves, and one half works a lot better for me—the first half, that is—than the second half. Because I really just enjoy watching these four people be friends and like mm-hmm. bonding and like, you know doing their spells and going out into fields and yeah. doing their little rituals. And uh, And I think it just speaks to the chemistry of these four. but when it sort of takes a turn into more of like a conventional horror movie, like when it's less about their friendship and more like this rivalry between witches, which I, I mean, I sort of pinpoint it as right after they uh, invoke the spirit on that beach. And it clearly affects Nancy much more than the other three. And there's that scene when they're sort of driving and Nancy is able to change the lights from mm-hmm. red to green. Yeah. Like there, there's a really jarring shift there when now it's like, it's like they're no longer friends, and that for some reason that uh, that shift is just so sudden and it's becomes such a different movie after that happens.
1: Yeah, it's really jarring and it it felt a little disjointed to me. but you kind of go with it because they they do sort of build into it a bit. It's hinted at, but it just happens it it happens so suddenly that it 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 is kind of strange and a little hard to follow. I think it relies too, this movie really relies too on that assumption that, or I guess that stereotype that women can't really be friends because inevitably they turn on each other, which is a little interesting and something that I think Clueless, if we're going to compare to Clueless a little bit since they came out around the same time and this was trying to jump off of that, like Clueless, they have that sort of upset between the female friends, but they work it out and they come together in the end whereas in this film there's no coming together they are completely antagonistic to each other toward the end to the end right
0: yeah absolutely and I mean I guess right after that invoking the spirit when I guess Nancy actually gets struck by lightning during that uh that whole thing but I guess the even a sharper turning point is when basically chris who's in the throes of that uh love spell like attempts to rape sarah and then that sort of, yeah. like that really like triggers this whole th- scene at the party when i think that that might be even a bigger turning point when nancy actually kills him
1: and not only kills him but it's weird because they sort of set it up as if nancy's going in defense of sarah to go after this guy who attempted to rape her. And yeah, it's as a consequence of a spell she cast on him to make him love her. But that's, it's so extreme and so violent, that that reaction he has towards uh, towards her trying to leave, right? What Nancy does in response is really bizarre. And I still don't really, I I still can't really wrap my mind around the logic. I mean, I guess there's no logic to it.
0: She kind of wants to seduce him, it seems like, and, well, she looks like Sarah, right? And and it's also sort of insinuated that they used to sort of have a thing.
1: I mean, it's a little disturbing because at first she tries to seduce him as herself and is unsuccessful, and so then she takes on Sarah's appearance. And I don't know if part of this is what builds up her antagonism towards Sarah even more... Because of this idea that Sarah's kind of come into the group and is able to kind of get attention from the others. But at the same time, he's been spelled to be obsessed with Sarah.
0: Some great acting on Skeet Ulrich's part when Nancy is like, you just feel this way because she put a spell on you. And he's like refusing to believe that. Yeah. I think that the thing that I struggle with with Chris's character and and sort of might answer this a little bit, I think is that he's just this super popular boy at the school and like even though he's got a garbage personality like that still has a lot of weight with both of these women I like guess even so. nancy who's a completely different person and is like i shouldn't be interested in him at all it's almost like she can't help herself and kind of like using this as an excuse to like mess with him but still is attracted to him. But
1: he's so gross. I mean that's the thing I can kind of understand Sarah wanting to spell him to get back at him, but she seems to actually want his affections at first before she realizes how annoying it is.
0: Yeah. And I mean and I feel like part of it is also revenge, like when she makes him carry all her books into chapel and stuff. And and,
1: embarrasses him in front of people at the school, yeah.
0: Yeah. She completely humiliates him. But I think part of it is just that high school thing of like inexplicably being attracted to the popular, horrible people. And of
1: course the popular guy is popular because he's awful.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Skeet Ulrich's character, I guess, is sort of a cliche, but he is very good. I think that he's a good actor. Um, Oh, yeah. He's good at being odious.
1: Yeah. He pulls it off because everything he does and every move he makes disgusts me.
0: Yeah. Um, and unlike his character in Scream, which I, I won't really like spoil the details of his character in that, but it's like, that's a movie that really plays with you. Like you, you really like him for most of the movie. And I feel like he can sort of play that side of it too, but then also pivot into being really despicable as well. He usually yeah. plays despicable people. I find <laughs> Olskito, Rick, but I guess the last thing that I wanted to say about that switch is had they not done that, it's would really be a movie with no stakes and no real conflict which i know is like the the key to good storytelling but sometimes i just want to watch these like witches hang out with no stakes at all
1: i mean i can kind of imagine a different version of the movie where they start to see consequences take place in tangible ways against themselves right like nev campbell's character makes her skin beautiful but then in some other way like maybe there's something wrong with her hair or I don't know there's some there's some kind of turn where they each have to face something in their lives in a different way so it's kind of like a karmic retribution sort of thing Yeah, and that that would have been an interesting angle but I do really enjoy this movie and kind of enjoy seeing their relationships play out and how they interact with each other.
0: Yeah and it it all kind of comes down to this uh, final scene in the house where nancy is attacking sarah and it kind of turns into this huge like special effects showcase of like Mm -hmm. tons of bugs and snakes and that stuff is all really fun but i do you know i just can't help but miss kind of the the tone of the first half of the movie yeah which is unusual for me to 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 have that opinion like i'm usually like the big horror guy but i just i think i just bought the chemistry of these four characters so much that it was like kind of a bummer to see it all cave in
1: one of the highlights of this movie for me was recognizing the charmed theme song uh this came out a couple years before charmed the tv show started back on the old WB. But I found it funny that a TV show about three witches would have used the same song from the Smiths' How Soon Is It Now as in The Craft. I kind of feel like that was something that they they must have been influenced by The Craft to have chosen that specific song.
0: Yeah, I, I've never actually seen Charmed, but... After you showed me the opening credits, like, cause I, I associate this song so strongly with The Craft, and to see it on another Witch show and the credits kind of look like Buffy and, like, the demons kind of look like Buffy, it kind of <laughs> makes me want to watch some of it.
1: It's really bad.
0: And it's set in San Francisco it and is. has Holly Marie Combs in it, which I'm down with.
1: Yeah. I mean, I was eight years old when it started and I remember it being pretty good, but I'm pretty sure it's not going to hold up.
0: And it lasted for like eight seasons, didn't it?
1: Somehow.
0: This is a movie that had sort of mixed reviews upon its release. Um, Roger Ebert did not like it, although he doesn't like very much horror. But it, it definitely, uh, it was considered sort of a sleeper hit commercially. And these days it seems like it's really, um, you know, it's stuck around. I mean, last year is the 20 year anniversary and there were a lot of different think pieces in different places like the huffington post and complex kind of singing its praises so i think that there's a lot of fans of it out there uh and i guess that uh i might be one of them and uh Lindsay, i guess we'll get to find out if you are too <laughs> oh and i forgot to mention at the top of the show no ads on the tape very unfortunate i wish there was an ad for this soundtrack because it's pretty great
1: you and your soundtrack ads well sean it's that time again do you buy it rent it or tape over it
0: you know i was so sure going in i was so excited when we started watching this i was so sure i was going to say buy it and if you'd ask me this question i mean i own it on vhs so obviously at one time in my life i was like yes the craft buy it um, but this is not a favorite of mine um, revisiting it. It's definitely a rent it. I like the I think these actors are great. Uh, I'm very invested in at least the first half of the movie. I do not to beat a dead horse, but I do feel like it kind of goes a little off the rails once there you know there's stakes and conflict <laughs> introduced and it's no longer just you know badass witches uh, getting even with their bullies. You know, I, I kind of wish it had gone more in that direction, especially, like, when they had such a cool coven that they'd put together. Um, but, you know, I think that that's a sign of a good movie, is, like, you want to hang out with these characters and see them be friends. And uh, I think that this is one that I like to revisit, but not every year the way I would, say, scream. Uh, what did you think, Lindsay?
1: I'd say rent it. I think... One of the things that's really interesting about this film is how many topics it touches on for things that are just difficult to face when you're a teen, but that you encounter in some way, you know, sexual violence, insecurity, um, domestic violence at home, racism, just so many different things. And it's, that's not what the film's really fixated on. But the fact that it includes those aspects that people face in their lives that, but that don't often get included in these films, um, or in these kinds of films for these audience, uh, for this, um, in these kinds of films for this age group. Um, I think it's interesting to see and it, and it does it pretty well, even though it's really lightly touching on each thing. Plus, Hey, it's about winch- uh, witches. It's pretty fun. It's got its flaws. Um, Skeet Ulrich gets under my skin. <laughs> I might like it more if not for him. I think it's a solid rent-it. I, en- I enjoyed watching it. It made me think I would watch it again.
0: No offense, but I definitely prefer this to Practical Magic. What? <laughs> I'm more of a craft person than a Practical Magic person if we're, if we're doing competing witch movies.
1: I don't know why I just like Practical Magic, even though it's not that great.
0: I mean, judging by some of the things I've said on this episode, maybe I should like Practical Magic for it more because they stay united as a coven in that movie and, like, you overcome an outside force instead of turning on each other. But uh, I just like these, uh, I like this world so much, even if it's kind of oppressive and bleak. Well, another spooky season has come to an end, um, and sadly we must return to normal movies, <laughs> or maybe even uh, Christmassy sort of movies since we're coming up on December. Lindsay, is there a uh, holiday-appropriate movie that you'd like to uh, bring on the show next time?
1: My next pick is a little Disney classic, The Santa Claus*.
0: Oh, Tim Allen.
1: Yeah, and I said "clause" a little strangely there because I don't know how many people remember, but it's "clause" as in a legal clause.
0: Oh, I remember.
1: So maybe, maybe there's something a little interesting going on there. I don't remember. I haven't seen it in years.
0: That movie was so popular that I feel like people misspelled Santa Claus with an "e." santa himself because so many people had seen that spelling and just not understood the i mean probably
1: i would not be surprised i probably did that as a kid too because i saw that movie so many times
0: i watched that a lot as a kid too but i've not seen it in a long time so that will be very interesting
1: it was one of the rare kids movies that my dad enjoyed
0: probably because of tim allen
1: more than likely we he, did we were a home improvement family
0: he was a, the real alpha male of the mid-90s <laughs> i'd like to thank will price for use of his song mandatory groove you can hear more of will's music at soundcloud.com slash you can learn
1: more about us and our other episodes at our website, TapeHeadsPodcast.com. You can reach out to us by email at TapeHeadsPodcast at gmail.com. And we'd love to hear your feedback. Please rate and review on iTunes.
0: That's it for TapeHeads. I'm Sean. And I'm Lindsay. Until next time.